Now, as we were singing those songs, um, first of all, the Revelation song, I, I adore songs that are scripture. Man, I love them. But there was an image in the song before that. And I remember having uh, an argument with a lady earlier, gosh, over a decade ago about that song. It's the one that has the line about sloppy wet kiss. And, you know, if you don't know the history behind that, you miss something. But there's really something special about that line. And it's why a lot of churches, they took it out. We've left it in because of this image. When David Crowder, I saw him in a concert, and it was like forever ago. I don't know if he still has a beard that's down to his knees and all that kind of stuff, but this guy is just a crazy-looking guy. And he was sharing, and he shared about this moment where his son, I think it was his son, maybe daughter, but just a toddler, was running to him with arms wide open, and he leaned down, and the baby came and just gave him the biggest sloppy wet kiss all over his face. And he was like, that's us to God. We don't even know what we're doing. We just run with arms open, and he has his arms open, and all we know to do is whatever we can do. And it's a mess. But for God, it's a beautiful mess. A beautiful mess. And that picture, that image of a baby coming to daddy and just kissing him with a big sloppy wet kiss, oh, how he loves us. Oh, how beautiful this is. It's messy and dirty and all that, but it is beautiful. So as I love that, and I think that's perfect for where we're going uh, in this next series. We're going to be journeying through 1 Corinthians together. You know, last week we finished our Follow Me series. Um, we're, we're, we're turning now to, um, to, to kind of applying everything that we learned over that Follow Me series through 1 Corinthians. And I want to encourage you, one of the things that we offered through the Follow Me series was a prayer card. And um, you can look, you can even still download that prayer card. I want to encourage you with something. This was designed as a tool to kind of create a rhythm of prayer for you and for us together. It was that consistent time where we, we, we were quiet and, and we, we know Jesus, we get to know him and become like him because he's the one we're following. And so unless you already have a prayer rhythm in your life, unless you have this time and, and you know what to do and, and maybe prayer is something that has become natural for you because you've learned that, that skill, if that's you, great. But maybe you're more like the rest of us where Prayer is difficult, and you're looking for a rhythm. You're looking for a frame to figure out how you do this thing called prayer. I want to encourage you to continue using this card. You know, we've ended the Facebook group and all of that, but um, this card still, instead of reading through the gospel every day, maybe read through a passage uh, of 1 Corinthians through this time, and I think it'll really help you uh, and participate and be a part of, of what God is trying to teach us. So before we jump into a new study, before we jump into a book of the Bible, I just want to ask you, would you do something for me? And I am nervously anxious all the time. You can tell my kids make, my, I remember my daughter making a joke one time. She's like, Dad, when you're preaching, why do you go back and forth across the stage like a chicken? And I was like, I appreciate that image. Thank you, honey. But that's me. I'm a doer. I'm a go person. And uh, it's hard for me to be quiet and still sometimes and say, Jesus, what do you want to say? So as we enter a time where we're beginning a new uh, book, uh, a new lengthy series together through 1 Corinthians, I just want to ask, would you pray with me? Would you just be quiet for a minute? Invite the Lord to speak to you through this series, not through Don's words, but through the scriptures. God has something to say to us. And so let's just go to him in prayer. Jesus, we want to follow you. Sometimes it doesn't seem like we have a lot to offer. We just have a mess. What we see in this letter throughout these next couple of weeks and months is that all of us come to you with a mess. And you have no desire to leave us a mess. You want to do something inside us. You want to transform us. But Lord, only you can do that. 
We run, we go fast, we go hard, we have our own agendas, we have our goals, we've defined success certain ways. I pray that even now in this moment, that each of us will release the grasp that we're holding on to so tightly of, of these things, of what we, what we think is best. And may we let them go and just have an open heart to what you think is best. So we invite you to change us, to speak to us. We need to hear from you. We need to hear your voice. In your name we pray. Amen. Ah, okay, so through this series of 1 Corinthians, it is, it is one of Paul's longest letters. And um, so we're going to go through this kind of section by section, and it's a good one. I mean, there is a lot in this to cover. And so through this series, we're going to take several breaks, and um, we're going to take a break at Christmas time. We're going to take a break during Lent. We'll take some other breaks. And so we're going to probably be in 1 Corinthians for a while. So, you know, when you go to the title slide, just get used to uh, the, this right here because you're going to see it for a little bit. And... Um, it's really important, though, to know something about uh, the New Testament letters because it's, you really need to remember something. If you want to understand what God is trying to say through these letters, through 1 Corinthians, you need to remember that the New Testament writers, they were not, hear me, not trying to create a bunch of new Christian laws to replace the old Jewish laws. That's what they were not trying to do. See, the letters of the New Testament, this is so important. If you don't hear anything through this series, hear this. The New Testament letters were the apostles, the people who walked with the resurrected Jesus. They were writing to various people who didn't know, they never saw the resurrected Jesus. They were like us. They believed because of the apostles' testimony. So the apostles were writing to them, unraveling and explaining what it looks like to live out Jesus' command, to love one another and love the world the way Jesus loves us. See, this is critical because we're going to read these letters and you're going to see these and you're going to go, oh, oh, so I have to uh, wear a head covering when I pray? What's that about? And oh, I have to, and you're going to see all of these, these things, and you go, wait a minute, what does that have to do with Jesus loving one another? And that's the work. That's what we're going to be looking at, because the goal is not to make a bunch of new laws. It's to figure out in this day and time, what Jesus, what it looks like to live out love for one another. Because you see, we have to remember, all of the letters in the New Testament were written to a very specific people. And that's why some letters say one thing and other letters say another thing. And you go, wait, how did those go together? Well, it's because they're written to a very different people at a very specific time with very specific problems. And so 2,000 years later, we're reading these letters trying to say, okay, so what does it look like for us with what Paul said to them and with, with what their lives were like and what our lives are like and there's some similarities and there's some differences, what does it look like for us? And that's my goal in this series. My goal is to slow down, listen to the Lord together. My goal is to provide some insight and even some tools so that you can read these words on your own and in your life groups together and hear from the Lord. You are not just hearing from the Lord from me. In fact, I am not the Lord, nor am I a really great mouthpiece for the Lord. I sometimes can be a pretty good teacher. Sometimes you might disagree by the end of this service, and that's okay. But my goal is to give you some tools and some insight and some foundation so that you too can read these words for yourself and in your group and hear from the Lord. You're going to be hearing from a former Pharisee who who's somebody who persecuted Christians because he thought they were corrupting the Jewish faith. His name is Paul, Saul. And so he thought that the reason that the Messiah had not come was because of all of this corruption and all of this sin. And so he was persecuting Christians, saying, you are the reason Messiah is not coming until one day he saw the resurrected Jesus. 
and, and recognized that this was the Messiah that he was longing for. And as a result, the persecutor became the persecuted. And Paul was sent by Jesus to take his good news, Jesus' good news, to the non-Jewish world. He was, Paul was going to be rejected by his own people, he was going to eventually be beheaded because of his faith in Jesus and his, that he could not stop being a witness to the fact that he saw the resurrected Jesus. And so may we have ears to hear what God is saying to us. And so to get the most from this series, I want to encourage you. Today's the introduction, as you can tell. Um, I want to encourage you because I don't want you to just consume during this series. Consuming means you come to the service, I've worked all week on something, and you're going to hear a couple of other speakers throughout the, the series, and they've worked all week on, the, on this or, or even longer, and you just come and you get it, and you go, oh, that's good, and I'm going to chew on that for a while. That's great, but that's called consuming. I want to encourage you to also engage, to participate with Paul I want you to do this individually, and I want to encourage you to do this together as your life group, because you will grow exponentially more. So here's some ways that I want to encourage you to participate. One of them is uh, the prayer card, like we talked about. The second one is I want to encourage you to read 1 Corinthians. In fact, we're going to be in chapter 1 for this week and next week, the introduction today, and then the second half of chapter 1 next time. Maybe this week, read chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians two or three times. You will get so much more out of it on the, the second one and the third one and the fourth one. The third way I, um, I want to encourage you is to read Acts chapter 18 because this is, this is where Luke talks about Paul going to Corinth. And so Paul, years later, writes back to Corinth, but you can see what happened during the 18 months while Paul was in Corinth. It really will give you a big picture. Then go to the next slide. You also might really want to do this. Actually, I encourage you to do this. The Bible Project has an overview video of every book of the Bible. I'm telling you right now, even now, every time I start a new book of the Bible, because I usually like to read you know, whole books at a time, every time I start one, I always watch the Bible Project video, and then I download the poster and I look at that poster all the time because it tells me where I am so that I don't get lost in the details. I love big picture. I'm a context kind of guy. And so I like to know where I am and why is Paul saying this and what's going on. So I want to encourage you. I, I have created a link at avalonchurch.org slash 1COR, 1 Corinthians, 1st Cor, because I figured a lot of us would not know how to spell Corinthians and we'd never get to this website. So, um, but I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe even before you read that 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, because it will put it in context. It's beautiful. And then finally, if you really want to go deep, I mean like deep, deep, I want to encourage you, I highly recommend a commentary that this is probably one of my favorite commentaries for preaching because it's really, uh, it's, it's good. It's highly, uh, I mean, it's like from a very, one of my favorite scholars and theologians, yet it's written for normal people. And it's called the uh, Bible for Everyone series. Paul for Everyone, 1 Corinthians is this one. For like eight bucks, you can get a hard copy of this commentary, which is crazy cheap for really good information. And N.T. Wright, he is just one of my favorites. Thank you. Yes, I'm hearing other people who agree. So, a little bit of tools, but there you go. I'll tell you, if you can't tell, I'm a little giddy right now because... My favorite way to teach is to go through a book of the Bible. Because when, when we go through, like, like the Follow Me series was me looking at a lot of different things and a lot of, of Jesus' sayings and Paul's sayings in the Old Testament and putting it together saying, what does it look like to follow Jesus? But before that, we went through the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus set the agenda, right? And now we're in Corinthians where, where the Apostle Paul is setting the agenda for what we talk about. And sometimes I just love that because you get to hear more from him and more from God than you hear from me. And I really, really love that. I don't know if you remember, um, we studied the book of Acts when I first came here. We spent about six to eight months in the book of Acts. And, um, and then we, we looked at Galatians. And uh, then we, we went through Second Chronicles, which was one of my personal favorites. And Jerry, I know it was yours too, wherever you are, because you told me over and over, man, Second Chronicles, who'd have thunk it? 
And then we did Sermon on the Mount, and so now we're going to be doing Corinthians, and why? Why Corinthians? About a year ago, I was praying, and I was, you know, uh, if you remember, uh, it was uh, a year ago, mid-2020, uh, mid and it was probably one of the most divided times of my life when it comes to what was happening around me, you know. Um, you had politics. You had uh, max, masks and vaccines. Everybody was up. Racial issues. Everybody was up. Um, con- because we're Christians in the church, and for the last 2,000 years, we've had theological issues just divide us. We have, uh, in the past 500 years, science and scientific issues divide us. And how many times, I can't tell you, we've had people leave the church because I said, I love science. I just, I find it fascinating, and I love it. People are like, I'm out of here. It's true. And we've had, we've had families leave the church because I would not, and I will not ever endorse a political candidate other than King Jesus, because he is my king. And, and it's like, and I won't, I won't condemn anybody. I mean, I, I mean I'll condemn things that, that people do, I guess. But the reality is, I don't look to our president as my savior. I look at my president as a human being who's also screwed up, just like me. And, and so King Jesus is who I look to. And we've had people uh, leave because of that. I've, I've been spoken harshly to. I was telling somebody earlier, about once a month, I'm spoken harshly to. Because... As a church, a year and a half ago, we decided we were going to follow the CDC recommendations for masks. And I can't help it that they still say in Orange County and a couple of counties around the the country that we should still wear masks indoors all the time, vaccinated or unvaccinated, which is why we still have... I hate them too! I hate them! But we follow the CDC, and, and I get all the time, and I realize some think I'm duped, and I'm okay with that. Because I follow King Jesus, and he, whether masks or no masks, presidents or no presidents, I'm good in him. Amen? So, that's who 1 Corinthians was written to. That's who 1 and 2 Corinthians were written to. A deeply, deeply divided people. A people who were known for their divisions more than they were known for their love for one another. And so, 2,000 years from now, from then, you know, Paul writes 2,000 years ago. Now, it seems that we need to read these, these words as much as they did, because we need to learn to love like Jesus, just like they did. So we're going to jump in today, and we're going to be a little bit, you know, it's an introduction, so it's going to be uh, uh, hard to, to jump in, but there's some really good meat in here, and I hope that you have fun with me, because I'm having a blast. All right, um, let's just begin reading. We're going to start in chapter 1, verse 1, and um, here's how it goes. It says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, along with our brother Sosthenes, and who, Sosthenes, um, that sounded like Yoda, I'll do that again, but um, Sosthenes was, was a disciple traveling with, with Paul, probably, or, or could have been the guy who, the amanuensis, the, the scribe who Paul would recite the, the uh, scriptures, or recite the letter, later they were deemed scriptures, but you know, he'd Talk about this letter, Sosthenes would probably, with the guy writing it down, and because um, we learn elsewhere, and tradition says Paul had a really hard time seeing. He didn't see very well. So Galatians, it's, he says, look how I signed this letter with my large print. And, uh, and so it was pretty typical back then that you had a scribe who wrote everything down, and that's probably who Sosthenes was. But um, it's really easy to see the focus of Paul's life and writings in these first few verses. So uh, you're going to see them highlighted. Oh, and they're not highlighted. Shoot, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dennis, I forgot to tell you. Hey, make sure these are highlighted. So every time you see the word Christ or Jesus, I want you to pretend it's highlighted. <laughs> All right. Um, verse 2, to the church of God, the ecclesia, the community of God's family in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. I mean, to the church families in Corinth, he's talking about, you are part of a family that is so much bigger than you. We'll get to that. Verse three, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In the first three verses of this book, of this letter, God, as revealed in Jesus Christ, 
is mentioned five times. And as we read through the letter, you're going to see that uh, how, how Paul's central concern was not just fixing a bunch of messy people. It wasn't just correcting a lot of problems. Paul's central focus in this letter is Jesus. It's Jesus. Paul, he lived with the Corinthians for a year and a half. We see that in Acts 18, verse 11. And what Paul wanted more than anything for his Corinthian family was for them to grab hold of what it means to live with Jesus as the center of their lives, the center of their thoughts, the center of their imagination. See, Paul knew that if they could do that, if they could grab onto Jesus and make him the center of their story, if they could get off the throne of their own lives and put King Jesus on the throne of each of their lives and their lives together as a community, then even though their lives were a mess, Jesus had the power to transform that mess into a beautiful mess. Until we stand before Jesus, and he gets to that one day, when we're no longer a mess and it's all cleaned up, we are in a state of beauty because God is transforming the mess into a beautiful mess. It's becoming less messy and more beautiful. Corinth was one of the most diverse cities in Rome. You know I love maps, right? All right, so let me show you a map. You can see this is kind of the Mediterranean. Italy up in the top left. You see Greece in the middle. You see Turkey now on the right, called Asia Minor back then, and Africa at the bottom. Okay, so Corinth was dead center of, of, of like, ancient classical Greece. You can see it's right outside of Athens, you know, the famous Athens where all the philosophers were, where, where Paul, he made that, his sermon about the unknown God saying, you worship all these different gods and you have the one that nobody knows. And so Paul goes to Corinth right after that sermon. And so there's all these smart and philosophical people in Corinth. Corinth is wealthy. I mean, it's like, it's like you know, where every, all the cool people went. And a lot like Orlando, um, you could, it, it also had much of the population was transient. They didn't actually live there. Okay, zoom in a little bit. You can, I want you to see something about the geography. Corinth was actually on what's called an isthmus. isthmus. I lived in, in Madison. That's where I learned this name, where it has water on two sides, which means it had two ports. And if you look, those who were on the west did not want to go all the way around uh, Achaia, Achaia, I never can say that right, the, the area that Corinth is in. So they would go through and they would go to Corinth from the left and then those on the east, they would come to, on the right from the, from the east. And so you had two ports for one city, which is just crazy, coming from different areas of the empire. You can see why Corinth was on its way to becoming the largest city in all of Greece and it was definitely one of the biggest cities in all of Rome. It was a hub for the east and the west. Everything happened there. So when you go to Corinth, and because of all of the tourists and all of the people there on business and pleasure, you can imagine the taverns were numerous. They were legend. So were sports events. In fact, in all of the Roman Empire, Corinth had the second largest sports event, second only to the Olympics in Athens. And when Paul lived there, the sports events in Corinth were going on, which is why he uses all this sports language in his, in his, his letter. Also, that goes along with taverns and lots of tourists, is prostitution was rampant in Corinth. Corinth had such a reputation for excess uh, in sex and indulgences that prostitutes, not only in Corinth, but throughout the entire Roman Empire, prostitutes were called Corinthian girls. They really, this, this is the city that Paul decided to plant a church in. And it was a church that included both Jews and Gentiles. It included the very wealthy, but also the very poor, slaves and free, educated and edu uneducated. And as we go through the, the letter over the, the weeks and months, I will share more about those people and more about what was happening in the city as we go. But uh, for now, what I want to do is continue reading because what Paul does in these first few verses is he's creating a picture of a new identity that we have in Christ. Paul is revealing a new story that the Corinthians really were unaware of. 
The Corinthian believers, see, what Paul is saying is they're different because they are in Jesus now. They're in Christ. See, as Corinthians, especially the Gentiles, they used to be an aimless people. They were worshiping random gods that they didn't even know were real, and it was bankrupt. And what's interesting about the gods back then is you never knew if you were pleasing the gods. You didn't know if they were listening. And so what you would do is just make all kinds of weird sacrifices, trying to get them to do your bidding, to do what you want, because they didn't really like you. That was the point. They didn't like you. But now, in Jesus, there's, there's a living, resurrected power of God that, that is bringing them, inviting them into a bigger story. And this is what's, where it's interesting, because it's God's story, a story that for the Jews was thousands of years old, yet the Gentiles in Corinth were completely clueless. I mean, they didn't know about the story. They didn't know about all God was doing, this movement of love and power as the one true God was making himself known through a people named Israel. And now, that God has unveiled himself to everyone through the resurrected Jesus. And so they're hearing this for the first time, and, and it sounded crazy still sounds crazy, doesn't it? It's a scandal. But now, Paul is saying, I know it sounds crazy, but I saw this Jesus with my own eyes. And you can see in the way that, that you are growing in number that there's something going on in you that's very attractive to the outsiders. Your story is being forever connected and intertwined with God's story. See, that's what that's what Paul meant in verse 2 when he called the Corinthians God's holy people. Jesus, King Jesus, has set aside this messy group of Jews and Gentiles for his own purposes to invite the rest of the world into the family as well. They and us today were invited to walk with Jesus. We talk about this all the time. We're invited to participate with Jesus as the anticipation of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And when we live the way God has called us to live, it is so attractive that even this crazy story, people start going, well, maybe it's not so crazy because I've never seen that. I've never seen people praying for somebody and they actually get healed. I've never seen a community of people of Republicans and Democrats and mask wearers and mask haters and, and all these different people. I've never seen them be so united and so loving towards each other. And then sacrificing themselves together to bless the world around us. We've never seen that. Frankly, that's why we're here today, because it changed the world. When those first, those first uh, Christians did that, they were united in their diversity. They were sacrificial in their love, and people were like, I've never seen anything like that. And then they too would say, ah, maybe this Jesus is true. Jesus, if you're true, reveal yourself, fill me, and it would happen. And they would be like, they would change, and then all of a sudden, it would just got... It exploded. That's the invitation. That we are not just part of a little church in East Orlando, Florida, but we are part of an ever-growing worldwide family of brothers and sisters who call on the name of the Lord Jesus as Lord and King. Look at verse four. Paul says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. See, we don't deserve God's invitation we don't deserve his transformation. It is a gift of grace. God has acted on their behalf and our behalf, even though we've done nothing to deserve it. Verse five, for in him you've been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all kinds of knowledge. He's saying, and he gets to this. this, this is, you can see he's starting to paint a picture for the rest of the letter, but in Christ, you Corinthians are blessed. You Corinthians are built up, not just the individual, but, but the whole community. The word you, Y-O-U in here, for in him you, that you is plural. It is y'all, it is you all, it is the group of you. It's not a singular word like you and you and you and you. No, it's you. You have been enriched and blessed in Christ with all kinds of speech, and Paul's gonna get to that later. In Christ, you are growing in knowledge and in your experience together. You are seeing and experiencing and a picture of, God, of God's joyful, hopeful life and what that looks like in Jesus. In verse six, he says, God, thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. 
I think your lives, Avalon Church, Corinthian Church, what God is doing among you is confirming the testimony. It's confirming this crazy story of, of God who became human, who died on a cross, and who rose from the dead. It's your lives, your continuing transformation that provides evidence evidence that this is true. We are not asking people to follow us blindly. We are saying God has transformed us just like he's transformed the millions of people before us and he wants to do the same in you. That's how we know Jesus is real. It's not blind faith. It is faith, but it's faith based on a lot of evidence and you are that evidence and so am I. Verse seven, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. Oh, Corinthians, as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. See, the transformation was real. God was raising up in this community of people all these, these spiritual gifts, these gifts from the Holy Spirit that they could exercise together to bless each other and to bless the world this family of Jesus followers that was continuing to grow because the outsiders were looking on the inside going, what is going on in there? And even though the government was like, stop them. I, I love it. You know, a uh, little sidebar here. How am I doing on time? Okay, I think we're okay. A little sidebar that one of the Roman emperors was watching this happen and watching the church grow and watching these people love that he called the priests of the other gods together and he said, you need to start loving like the Christians. You need to start serving like the Christians and helping the poor like the Christians. And they were like, what? We don't even like people. And, and the emperor was like, I know, but everybody's becoming a Christian. True story. And so they did. They started trying to love people, but they couldn't keep it up. They hated them. They were like, we don't want to keep doing this. And the Christian church just kept exploding because the other, the other people, they weren't transformed from the inside out. They were the same as they had always been and they were selfish and self-centered and they just wanted their thing and they wanted to propagate their thing and, and it was kind of like, and if you don't like it, I can't say what it just came to my mind. So what? <laughs> it wasn't a bad word. It was just not an appropriate word on Sunday morning. So, you know, but if you don't like it, go do whatever you want to do. And nothing happened with them, but the church kept blowing up and exploding. And we're going to see that in a few chapters, these spiritual gifts started getting out of hand. And Paul starts talking to him about how to, how to lovingly be a part of the family using these gifts. And, and, uh, but we're not talking about that now, and neither is Paul. Because right now he's offering perspective that like we sang a little while ago, God was working in the past, he, who he was. God is working in the present, who he is. And God has a plan for the future, who he is uh, leading us to become. He will keep working. Look at verse 8. He, Jesus, will also keep you firm to the end. You will be strong. You will be strong foundation, a rock, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Christ, Jesus Christ our Lord. So let me put all this in perspective because there is a shape to history. There is a shape to all of our lives, and this is what Paul is talking about in these last two verses. You didn't choose where you were born. You did not choose who you were born to. You didn't choose what your health was when you were born, and you did not choose your level of talent. So much of our lives are controlled by things that we have no control over, that we had no input about. And so much of the mess we experience as human beings is caused by the brokenness and sin around us. Um, whether it be, you know, uh, somebody being killed because of a drunk driver or somebody having to deal with uh, the, the, the brokenheartedness because something their parents did or something somebody else did. I mean, we all, so much of our lives, so much of the mess we experience are because of this sinful, broken world. It doesn't, doesn't make it go, okay, well, then it doesn't matter. No, it's just, that's the fact is, we are who we are so much because of the culture and the society we live in. But God, but God, he's the difference. 
God. See, life is a mess, but God is in the life-shaping business. Jesus desires, us to sh- desires to shape it at every point. There is a day coming, the day of the Lord. It's that Old Testament day. It's that day when, when all brokenness is made right. It's that day where all injustices are made right. It's that day that we're hoping for, that day that we're longing for, that day that in Revelation, John said, come, Lord Jesus, come. That day is the day that we are heading towards. Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, the fulfillment of history, the fulfillment of God's story, the one who invites us to participate in that story, he is the one who fulfills history. He is the one who redeems the mess. That's why we follow him. That's why we pray to our Father in heaven through him. That's why we spend time with those prayer cards and spending time listening to worship and worshiping him and getting to know him. That's why we learn to love him. It's not something that comes natural. Just like loving your spouse in a good way, like lovingly, is not something that comes natural. But that's why we do it, because he is worth it. We are all the family in Messiah Jesus. And despite all the mess Paul is going to address in the Corinthian church, they are God's adopted children. And here's what you need to hear. And I want to invite the worship team to come up as I finish this. Because now I'm going long, of course, because my sidebar. The context in which Paul is going to be pretty hard on the Corinthians. And he is going to say some really tough things. The context of those things that he says is a relationship. Paul says those things to family. Because God is a father who loves us. And Paul felt like a representation of of God as father to those Corinthians. He felt like he was the one pouring into them. When we run away, God continually is looking on the horizon, arms open wide to receive us back with that, you know, sloppy wet kiss. Paul cares deeply for the Corinthians. He, He addresses the mess because his desire is the same as God's. He wants more for them. God wants more for us. See, our sin keeps us in bondage. Our selfishness and self-centeredness keeps us in bondage. makes a mess of our lives. But what, what Paul is saying and what he's going to say in this whole letter is that only Jesus can bring beauty from ashes. Only Jesus can take that filthy mess and redeem it and make something beautiful. That's why we're studying this letter. Because we want to become more like Jesus in every single area of our lives. It's Paul's invitation to follow him as he follows Jesus because that's what discipleship is. That's discipleship. I hope you'll follow with us. Would you bring up the the ways to participate? I want to encourage you, maybe take a picture of this. These are some ways to participate. Stephanie, let's include this in uh, the, the email this week so that people have it. But I want to invite you on this journey of transformation. It's slow, but it's good. So before we stand and sing, what I want to ask is that, would you just be quiet for a minute? Let's spend just a second the way we started, inviting Jesus to come in and transform us from the inside out. Inviting him on the long journey. Would you just bow your head, close your eyes, Just allow a moment between you and the Lord. And in the quietness of your heart, say, God, help me open my hands. Help me hold on loosely to my life. Help me offer it to you. And maybe pray a prayer like, Jesus, transform me. Show me where I'm broken. And bring beauty from ashes. I truly want to live for you. That's the prayer. 
that's what Paul is inviting us to. That's what Jesus is inviting us to. Would you stand? We're going to sing a song that is, wow, is it beautiful. This is a song that I want you to make your prayer. It's a song that paints a picture of God as everything we need. He is the one who can transform us and provide for us. So before we go home and before we continue our day and go about all of our busyness, just take this moment and just pray this song. Mike.
What I love about it is the word power. You know, this isn't some mamsy-pamsy, wimpy kind of love that we're talking about. This is power. This is the God of the universe whom every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, you know, we talk about love, but we have these, these Western views of love, and you're like, oh, it's just so intimate. But no, this is sacrifice and love saying, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't want to help, but I'm going to help anyway. I mean, that's strength. That's what we're talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about. You know, I want to encourage you. Would you bring up the text slide? Maybe you uh, would like to just talk to somebody. Maybe something has been said or sung that you're like, I, this Jesus stuff is different than I expected. And I really would like to have somebody maybe answer my questions, maybe, maybe offer some, uh, you know, part of, walk with me in the journey. Would you just text us? You don't even need to put a word. You can just text that number on the screen and uh, we will get that, whether you're at home or in here. And um, before we leave, uh, you know, I got a text actually while I was preaching or at the end reminding me, and it's just another way to participate. If you want to learn how to pray, I want to encourage you. Every month on the first Sunday of the month, right after the service, we have a prayer team that meets right through these doors to pray. If you want to learn how to pray, they won't make you. But if you want to learn how to pray, go pray with people who know how to pray. Just want to encourage you to do that because it is a powerful time and it's a learning time for you to become a, a, the kind of person who knows how to pray. I had a prayer in mind as I was going to send you off with a benediction, but then earlier in the service, I was like, oh, no. I want to read a prayer from 1 Corinthians. And this is 1 Corinthians 15. And this is what we'll be sent off with. And this is about that day of the Lord. This is what we were talking about a little while ago. And the Apostle Paul says, When our dying bodies, these dying perishable bodies, have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture from Hosea and Isaiah will be fulfilled. Death will be swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord, Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong. Be immovable. Always continue your work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever done in vain. It is never useless. Go, be the people of God in your community. Be the people of God in your homes and in your neighborhoods and at your work. And let's see what God does. Amen? Amen. Have a beautiful day. Jira, you are love.